Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. Hello, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm reviews editor Sherlyn Lowe. And I'm senior editor Devendra Hardawar. And joining us today all the way from North Carolina is Engadget's master BBQ chef, Billy Steele. Hey. Hello, hello. Billy's not only our master barbecuer, he's also Engadget's resident audio expert, guru, whatever the word you want to use is, and he just reviewed the new Pixel Buds. So we're going to talk all about that this episode. And we're also going to chat a bit about Upload, the new Amazon Prime series from Greg Daniels, the creator of The Office and King of the Hill and so many great shows. We have a bit of an interview with him, too. So stay tuned for that. Before we get to all of that, please make sure you subscribe to us on your podcatcher of choice. Leave us an iTunes rating because how else will we know how we're doing? Or if you have much longer thoughts, send us an email to podcast at Engadget.com. All right. So, Billy... So you review the Pixel Buds. Did you like them? Yeah, I actually did really like them. And I think that the key thing to remember here is that up until now, Google did not have a direct answer to AirPods. They had Mm -hmm. the previous Pixel Buds, which were much different and, Mm -hmm. to be honest, didn't really work well at all. Yeah, they seem very bad by all accounts. Right. Yeah, um, I did not review them. I have interacted with them um, a couple times, but um, V wrote our review of that product. Mm-hmm. And basically his conclusion was, this is really incomplete. Half the features don't work. Google Assistant, yeah. which is the most important thing, was very hit or miss. And so V, by the way, is Chris Velasco, our mobile guru guy. He's been on the show quite a bit. But yeah, the initial, the original Pixel Buds were kind of the punchline to a joke, basically. Yeah, it was sort of like, um, we need to get in on this. And Mm. it really feels like they sort of rushed it out the door um, and didn't refine the core features that needed to be there. And I should say this isn't, necessarily a google problem the touch controls are always an issue so they can be super hit or miss sometimes they'll work sometimes they won't especially when you're dealing with things like a double tap and a triple tap to skip songs ahead or backwards um, things like that and so one of the key issues with the first pixel buds was the fact that when you hung them around your neck because they were connected with a cable (laughs) Um, the touch controls would sort of like bang into each other or up against your body. And so um, I think Chris noted in his review a couple times that he would uh, pause them, hang them around his neck and he would go back and they would be dead because at some point they unpaused 
um, like colliding with his body or colliding with each other or something like that. So, you know, I make fun of Google quite a bit for hardware (sighs) and products, but it's because of stuff like that where it's like they build these things in a vacuum. I don't know if normal humans ever actually get to use them. And then a simple issue like that can kill a product for reviewers and for a lot of people. Well, so, there's yeah. there's an issue with these that, that I think we'll get to in a minute. Oh, boy. Yeah, oh, yeah. boy. <laughs> yeah, my little Google-loving heart is crying right now. But, but yeah. So the new butts, better? Uh, yeah. The smart features, which were, uh, for the most part, carried over from the first mm-hmm. uh, Pixel Buds. So you have... Um, direct access to Google Assistant without pressing any buttons. Um, I think they sort the term is sort of hands-free access mm. um, to your uh, voice commands and stuff like that. Mm. So you just say, hey, Google, or okay, Google. Um, and one of my speakers is probably going to wake up here in a second. <laughs> um, so no pressing any buttons or anything like that to activate that feature. Um and also the Google Translate stuff is back again. Mm-hmm. So basically, um, you can have the buds on. You can open up Google Translate. You speak. The buds send everything to your phone. Um, mm. And then when the person on the other end that you're speaking to um, pushes a button inside the app, you sort of can have a real-time translated conversation. Um, nice. And real-time is sort of in quotes because there is <laughs> um, a little bit of a delay. It's not to the point that it makes it super awkward, um, mm-hmm. but like me speaking English is translated much faster than the other language coming back. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. languages are supported, Billy? And yeah, did, did you use this with you yeah, know, was it good? Pe- people who actually spoke other languages? Yeah, well, I'm, I mean, I'm stuck at home, so I had to like mm-hmm. simulate these things as best I could. Um, but I <laughs> you did. You could have just talked to me. I know French, so I took, I oh. did some French with um, nice. Google Translate. But um, so it supports over 40 languages. Um, so Spanish. Huh, okay. German, like Korean, Japanese, Chinese are all on the list. Um, pretty mm-hmm. much, if you would think about a list of 40, quote unquote, major languages mm-hmm. around the world, they're probably on the list. So I still think it would be awkward if you were, say, traveling somewhere in Europe mm-hmm. and you were talking to someone in a shop or on the street and you mm-hmm. have earbuds in. So it's like automatically a little bit of a wall. And then you are also asking them to speak into your phone. It's sort of, it's, it's a thing that works and it's a thing that'll get you the results that you want, but it's also going to be a very awkward social interaction. Yeah. I can imagine also like if you go to France, I think the story, I have never been to France, but the story (laughs) I've heard from a lot of my friends and family who go there is like, people are appreciated when you try to speak French, Mm -hmm. but if you're being... You know, if you're forcing them into English or trying to, like, change the way they normally speak, things get very awkward and they, they may just end up being rude to you. That won't work. That interaction with Google Buds just won't work, it seems. Well, is it, Billy, do you think it would be better than using Google Translate on your phone to do this? I think it's it's about the same. I think it's just the per- like the perception of you having something in your ears while you're trying yeah. to talk to someone is yeah. Yeah. a little a little weird but i yeah. think they they also intend for this to be used for things like um video calls somehow um there was oh, some okay. mention of that but the the real world interaction is obviously like the first scenario mm. primary scenario that they're trying to get at i think 
I think the thing about like just doing it all on your phone is like the user interaction is very clear in terms of what you're doing and what you're asking the other person to do. Uh, yeah. Doing it with the buds is kind of annoying, but yeah. yeah. And so, one of the other mm-hmm. issues is it has nothing to do with the buds. It's mostly just Google Translate. Is it doesn't take into account um, sort of like casual phrasing. Um, so it's like straightforward, literal <laughs> translation. And if you've ever taken a foreign language class, you know yes. that the teacher's always like, well, yes, that's technically correct, but nobody would ever say that. You've got to love it. got to love it. Do, do you actually find the Google Assistant stuff useful, Billy? Because I've used a whole bunch of headphones, you know, with Google Assistant, with Alexa, with even like Siri, with like the AirPods Pro. I've never found that useful. And I still occasionally use those things on my phones, but with, you know, on a headphone, it has never been that great for me. Yeah, I don't use it when I'm out and about so much as when I'm at home. Um, I have a Google Home Mini, and then I have another Google Assistant speaker in the kitchen. And so the fact that those have uh, Chromecast built in is Mm. nice. And the fact that I can use um, one of them to control Sonos is also Hmm. nice. And so, um, yeah, I use it at home for the most part on headphones. Not so much. I would say Mm. hardly ever. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. So did you find it actually being integrated on the buds to be useful even when you were at home? Not really, but again, um, I would say if I was out and about, especially if I was say, at a show, which who knows when we're going to be able to go to <laughs> yeah. trade shows. You mean out yeah. in public with yeah. other people? Yeah. <laughs> but like um, if I needed to know where my next meeting was or something like that, um, wanted to get a weather update or something, I could see them being used for that like during a commute or, mm-hmm. you know, something like that where you have your hands tied up and yeah, um, or you're just walking along and you don't really – want to pull out your phone and try to flip through some screens and and do that sort of thing. But to your point, I agree. Google assistant, Siri, Alexa are for me primarily better used inside the home and less Mm -hmm. so in a mobile or headphone setting. Let's uh, um, kind of explain what's going on here because for me the experience was a lot different than on like at home because I I also got a set of the Pixel Buds to play with, and um, I don't know the main interaction you did Billy with the assistant on the buds, but for me I just found it so annoying. One of the ways it will happen is that while you're listening to music or whatever, the assistant when you get a notification, the assistant would just like pop up and be like, oh. You got a message. Would you like me, if you would like me to read it, just press and hold, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I don't know if that's the only means of interacting with the assistant because that's just been the only means for me. No, But so it's annoying as all Interrupting hell. your yeah. workflow, that sounds great. Yeah. So that yeah. actually brings me to one point that is kind of uh, a pain point in that uh, the Pixel Buds app, which is... Um, is built in on a pixel phone. So I had a pixel Mm -hmm. four, so I didn't have to download anything else. It's Mm -hmm. just sort of, there was an update. It's now a system level app that's sort of just Mm -hmm. baked into Android on a pixel phone. On other Android phones, you have to download a standalone pixel buds app, but they Mm -hmm. look, it looks the same no matter Mm -hmm. how you access it. It's just a matter of if it's built in or if it's a piece of software that you have to download. But once you get that, 
it's basically just a bunch of on and off switches. So it's like mm. you can turn on the um, adaptive sound or turn off the adaptive sound. And it's like that mm-hmm. for, I think it's like five or six things. And it gives mm-hmm. you um, battery level updates and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But there's no, and it's like this way for AirPods too. There's no EQ or sound profile settings or anything like that um, to help you improve or customize things it's just a matter really? of it's just a matter of turning things off and on for the most part huh. um which i mean i kind of get to an extent but to sherlyn's point um and that's one of the things that you can turn off is google re- google assistant reading every yeah. notification as it comes in good lord you can <laughs> it's really annoying um, it's so annoying. I will say, like, I was so annoyed. I was on a call with a friend with these buds, and it just kept coming. I was, like, getting pings from people, and I couldn't hear my friend telling me about a very important detail <laughs> in her life this week because Google <laughs> Assistant was like, uh, you have one email from a PR person that won't stop pitching you over the weekend. That sounds like, like a right. bad Black Mirror thing of just like, <laughs> oh, you have a new email. You have a new email. You always have email. Turn off your email notifications, yeah. people. It's one of those things I mean, that like sounds good, and then you like yeah. actually try to use it, and you're like, dear God, this is driving me insane. So, yeah, I mean, you can turn it off, but it it will definitely cause you problems if you're, like Sherlyn said, on a call. They don't stop. Like it keeps yeah, they coming. don't stop. <laughs> I would like them to stop it on a call. I do. I definitely like. I don't see the use case where you would need your notifications to be read to you during a call. So definitely, they should have muted it during a call. I will say though, I can see the scenario where I'm commuting to work ever again in the future, and you know, I'm listening to music, and then a notification comes in. I wouldn't mind in that situation to have my notifications just read out to me. So maybe it needs to be a bit more context aware, or give me more options as to like when to turn it on. So how do these things actually sound, exactly. by the way? Like for music, for, you know, podcasts? So whatever. I went in, like sound quality wise, I went in with some pretty low expectations just because mm. uh, that so often when you have these companies that aren't necessarily audio companies, but um, mm. they're trying their hand at making headphones, you you really just never know what to expect. Yeah. And so um, I was actually pretty pleasantly surprised. They sound pretty good. Um mm. The main criticism, not just from me, but from other reviewers as well, is that the bass is a little lacking, um, which isn't entirely surprising. A lot of true wireless earbuds suffer um, Mm. with low end tone, and it's just the fact that you have such a small housing projecting like a small beam of sound into a confined space. There's only like Mm -hmm. so much you can do, and you have to really, really be on it to nail it. And some companies do it. I mean... The Sennheiser Momentum True Wireless Buds have good bass. Uh, the Sonys mm-hmm. that we'll talk about in a minute mm-hmm. have um, good bass. So it's there. It's achievable. Um, it's just really hard. And those those buds are a little bigger usually too, right? Yes, like to exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And these are tiny. Um, it's also priorities. I think it sounded like Google was, you know, didn't make a bigger housing for it because they were prioritizing fit maybe because the fit is nice for me. I didn't. I like that they were kind of small. I think... Google's priorities were um, we have to smart. revise the smart features um, mm-hmm. that we didn't get right the last time. And yeah, yeah, they want they wanted to make this something that they felt like people could wear for up to five hours at a time, which is what mm. the battery life is. Um, so 
I would say they're probably around the same size. Um, if you don't count the sort of like fit wing that they have on the mm. back, um, they're about the same size as the Jabra Elite 75T um, mm. or maybe somewhere around the Galaxy Buds Plus. Um, and those are some mm. of the smaller ones that um, I've reviewed in the last few months. Would you wear this running or, or for some kind of vigorous activity? <laughs> yeah, so a few months ago, right before Christmas, we actually installed some gym equipment in our garage. Mm. So I guess we were sort of... Um, preparing for yeah, this. Yeah, unknowingly preparing for mm-hmm. it. But... Um, yeah, I mean, I wore them um, doing um, some cardio stuff, some weightlifting stuff, and yeah, no problems with them staying in place. Um, I've heard several people say that they didn't think that these were very comfortable, and mm. I always caveat that with sticking something in your ear holes is only ever going to be so comfortable. Like there's only so much you can do about that. Like the most comfortable headphones are going to be super soft, cushiony over ear headphones. And when you're actually sticking something in your ears, like there's only so much you can do. And Mm -hmm. you know, the cheapest way to go about it is these sort of silicone or rubber tips and Mm. they are not padded at all. Um, Mm. There are uh, padded earbud tips, but they cost more. So a lot of companies don't, include them Mm. if one of your primary criticisms of a pair of true wireless earbuds is that they're not comfortable Mm. and they're not comfortable because you just have to wear them then i don't i don't really see how you can mark that as a criticism so that's such a personal thing too like Mm -hmm. aside unless you have like perfectly conformed earbuds to your ears like i have i have strange ears and i actually really like earbuds because my my ear holes are like great for buds like they just fit well with buds over the ear headphones are a little tougher with me but yeah to each their own um it sounds like these can stay in place yeah which i think is like the big thing i'm really interested though billy i know you really like the jabra 75 t's i really like jabra's headphones too like in terms of value and sound quality how would you compare these to those well, it it really comes down to what your priorities are. So if you are way more embedded with Google Assistant than I am, uh, mm. the Pixel Buds are probably going to be um, your choice just because of that super deep integration with Google's Assistant. But if you're looking for something more general, and I would say also, especially if you don't have a Pixel phone or an Android device, um, if you have an iPhone, the Jabra's mm. would be the choice just because they're sort of system agnostic. Um, Jabra does have a companion app that allows you to tweak uh, EQ and sort of mm. like set up some personalized um, audio settings. There's a um, ambient sound mode that you can turn off mm. and on um, that's really nice. Yeah. When you said um, the battery life was five hours, how does that compare to like most other pairs of earbuds you've t- tested? In the review, I did a lot of comparisons to the AirPods. Um, mm. And just because I feel like um, these are Google's AirPods, basically. Yeah. And so when you consider what Apple offers... Um, it's, it's the same. It's five hours. Um, mm. these are way more comfortable than the the mm. regular AirPods. Um, not talking about the AirPods pro. That's a completely different, different Beast. thing. Right. Right. So just the regular AirPods, um, these pixel buds are way more comfortable than those. Um, battery mm. life is on par. And I would say the sound is, is better than mm. the AirPods just because 
these have that tip that we mentioned. So it seals, mm. mm-hmm. um, you get some passive uh, noise cancellation or noise isolation, mm. I guess, is the technical term that you don't get with AirPods. Um, mm. what, what about versus AirPods Pro? Because I those have ANC, but even without the ANC, I feel like you get some benefit from those rubber tips. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, the AirPods Pro is definitely a step up um, just because you do have that tip and it offers that seal and not only the seal for audio, but just some sort of increase in comfort than just having a piece of hard plastic stuck in your ear. Mm. So. At five hours, the Pixel Buds are on the low end um, these days. Um, Five hours a year ago or two years ago would have been great because when we started, everything was at two or three, and we were like, how are these ever going to be a thing if we can only wear them for a couple hours at a time? So um, now we are seeing nine, 10, Mm -hmm. even up to 15 hours is becoming the standard. Um, the Jabra uh, Elite 75T is seven and a half hours um, on a charge, and the price okay. is almost exactly the same as the Pixel Buds, 180. The Galaxy Buds Plus are 150, and they have 11 hours of battery life. They last a lot longer. Yeah, they last a long time. And um, unlike the first set of Galaxy Buds, um, the Galaxy Buds Plus, when they came out, Samsung also introduced an iOS app. So mm. you get a lot of the customization um, that you could only get on Android before now with um, iOS with those as well. Mm. So it's a much better product. And 150 is a great price for a set of yeah. true wireless earbuds. For me, the mark of a pair of like, any device, whether it's good, it's how likely am I to continue using it. And because I'm a Pixel user, I, the setup for these buds was so seamless. It was so good. All I did was open the case and they paired. That, like after I took them out of the box, I opened the case and they paired to my Pixel 3. Yeah. It was ridiculous. You know, we talk about how sort of like Google and Apple and Samsung sort of all piggyback off of each other. And that's yeah. that's definitely a feature that Google saw Apple did Apple with the AirPods. Well. And mm-hmm. um, I would say I like Google's implementation of it a little better. It's a... Small notification at the top mm-hmm. of your phone, not a huge window that takes up most of your display when you just flip open the case. Mm. Um, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. you flip it open and they're connected and you get yeah. you get a notification that tells you how much battery you have left in the buds and in the yeah. case. And Google went a step further than Apple does. Um, Apple just tells you sort of the two buds together. Google will mm. let you know what the battery percentage is for each bud individually, which is kind of nice. One more question for you, Billy. Like, how easy is it to, like, hop between different devices with these earbuds? Because that's, as, you know, I, I the AirPods Pro, I feel like that is my favorite feature, is that I could mm. quickly go to my Apple TV. I could quickly switch it to my MacBook. I could quickly switch it to my iPhone. And most Bluetooth headphones, it's a process, you know? And the reason why you can do that is because Apple is storing all of that information in iCloud. So... yeah. You know, even if you haven't used, let's say, a pair of AirPods Pro with Mm -hmm. your MacBook yet, it's still in your list of Bluetooth devices automatically because it's carried over um, with Mm -hmm. iCloud. So that part is better, I would say, on the Apple devices. Um, I also should caveat it a little bit. I'm not going from a Pixel 4 to 
a Google Chromebook or a Google right, tablet. Right. I'm going from a Pixel 4 to a MacBook. So anything else, Charlie? I think there was a hiss problem you want to talk about, right? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I mean, there's plenty. We could talk forever on this. I, I mean, quick shout out. I just want to squeeze at like the touch controls on the Pixel Buds um, surface. <laughs> I love them. I for, for me, it's so rare to be able to control volume from true wireless earbuds. And these worked well. It's, I could skip tracks by double tapping or go back by triple tapping and then slide forward or backwards to control volume. And I haven't been able to do that on any like true wireless earbuds yet. I might be wrong. I don't haven't tested as many as Billy. Um, but yeah, no, I started to hear, first of all, and it's sort of static sound when the earbuds weren't playing anything. And Billy worked on the review, but kind of like we were just sort of talking about them in tandem and, you know, and he I asked him and he he hadn't heard it on his unit and then I started asking around. We had other, like, uh, I mean, I have friends. And uh, Whoa. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Let's back up for a second. <laughs> I asked some of my other reviewer friends, and some of them also heard the static. And this was right as the review embargo was lifting. So then everyone went live with their reviews, and we started seeing it reported as a larger, well, a more common issue than I had initially thought. So then... Billy and I talked about it, and Billy, do you want to explain, like, what do you think is happening here? Yeah, so I don't know for sure, um, because I'm not a product engineer, but um, there was a similar problem with the first Pixel Buds in that, Mm. um, and I forget the wording that Google used, but it's something like, a small set of our users encountered... Interference, maybe a normal amount of interference, and not everybody can hear it. And we determined during our testing that um, so few people could hear it that we could just proceed. Basically, (laughs) now I'm. This is not a direct quote. This is Billy paraphrasing what they told us. Um, But basically, their answer was, you know, yeah, it's there, but not everybody's going to hear it, (laughs) and so few people are going to hear it that we just don't. We didn't care to fix yeah. it before we shipped the product. So that sounds like Google hardware, baby. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, Lynn, I'm so sorry that you're such a Google fangirl because they, they keep doing this. I feel like their excuse is uh, this is white noise. This is our alternative no. to ANC. No, there's yeah. some kind of there's some kind of like Bluetooth interference yeah. um, going yeah. on. And I I don't know if it's something to do with the initial pairing like the Bluetooth low energy kind of thing mm-hmm. that goes mm. into pairing with your device or, or whatnot. But um, it's definitely a Bluetooth issue. And I guess the good news is they did issue an update for the first pixel buds that sort of remedied the issue. So this yeah. is, I mean, they're enough people yeah. are talking about it. They're going to fix it. Not to pick on Google too much though. Like all these wireless earbuds, um, they're all going to die like these things are built for you to lose them these things are built for like something bad that you're gonna forget them in your jeans pockets and throw them in the washer so you know this happens i i have a my right airpods pro bud (laughs) has just died it it started crackling and then just like stopped working all of a sudden take that apple hardware they all you know this will all happen keep that in mind as you buy these things that's why i don't think it's worth investing too much if you get a good deal then hop on them under 200 dollars, probably fine but anything more than that um just to go back to one thing you just mentioned avendra anc is something that's not on these uh pixel buds and Mm. so google has a feature called adaptive sound that oh yeah oh yeah they say 
they sort of pitched it as an alternative to ANC, but it's really not <laughs> at all. Um, and it doesn't work very well. Hey. Now, Sherlyn, you'll even admit that it was subtle when it did work. <laughs> it was subtle. Yeah. So basically what happens is when you say, nobody's doing this right now, obviously, but if you were to walk into a loud, busy coffee shop, um, it would temporarily increase the volume from where you were so that you could still hear things. And then when you left the coffee shop, it returns to where yeah. you were. So so they basically stole a feature that cars have because cars do that for when you hit on the highway versus city driving. Yeah, wow. Yeah, it's basically Amazing. the same thing. Amazing. So the, the only issue is it sounds like it could be, you know, decently handy if you're a person that's going in and out of loud environments all the time. But... <laughs> One of the examples they gave was washing dishes. And so sure, I tried sure. that and couldn't trigger it. <laughs> um, I've tried a, several other, like, a you know, I have a kindergartner, so he has a white noise machine in his room. Um, tried sort of, like, putting that right up to the microphone of the earbuds, and I couldn't get it to trigger. But finally, mm-hmm. I was able to trigger it with um, crowd noise from a soccer game on my television. So. Yeah. The thing about it is it's so subtle that it mm-hmm. really does not make a difference. So you can, if you're listening for it, you can tell. But if you're sort of just like waiting for something to happen and not really like paying super close attention to what's mm-hmm. going on, you're probably not going to even notice that it happened. Yeah, two things. I mean, one, when I was testing this out, um, you know, and Billy was like, I'm not hearing it on these things. I was like, well, I... I was like, I literally, I turned on my TV and I turned, I bumped the volume up super high. And then I like just sat there and focused and concentrated on the sound on the pixel buds. And two seconds later, I heard a slight increase in volume. Google's answer to noise canceling is raising the volume. No, well, I I will say though, like a lot of these things sound like um, stuff that Google has tried in its speaker products before, right? The Google Home Uh Mini has something like this called ultrasound, where if you are using a hairdryer, it'll bump up the volume (laughs) of what's playing. So your podcast can get louder and it'll, in that situation, prioritize the speaking voice so that you can still hear over the hum of your hairdryer, sure, or your blender. It's just sad that like... If you're actually trying to use this out in the real world, I can't see the situation for me whenever I walk into a coffee shop or someplace that's noisy. I don't want to hear my music louder. I want to be able to hear what someone else is talking to me. I don't want to like suddenly become extra deaf. Like, Yeah, this is not a good solution. We are still looking forward to seeing Microsoft Surface mm-hmm. Buds which um, are completely open. So that's like a different, like they're not even trying to mask the sound. They're trying to be like, sort of like the AirPods in that you hear the outside world and you hear the sound. This is going to be an interesting year for wireless audio because there were a lot of innovations last year. So I'm looking forward to seeing new stuff. Yeah, I think we're going to continue to see the price come down. Uh, Sony just introduced a pair of true wireless earbuds in their extra baseline that are $130. Um, those also don't have ANC, but mm-hmm. they do have most of the features that you would want um, and pretty solid battery life too. So I think what you're going to continue to see is uh, three things. Um, and it really started at the end of last year, but um, smaller size for the buds, um, everything, mm-hmm. it's like technology everywhere. Everything continues mm-hmm. to get smaller. Um, you're going to see better battery life as a whole. I think we're going to move up pretty quickly from Mm. five to six being the standard to 10 to 12 being the standard, Mm. um, probably before the end of the year, I would say. Yeah. I mean, these things are, are popular 
and companies are going to try to throw everything they can at different models just to see um, how many people they can get to opt in to True Wireless. Well, hey, thanks for your time, Billy. We really love talking about earbuds with you. You're the thanks so much, man. serious expert. Yeah, next time we're <laughs> going to talk about barbecue, though, right? I'm working on a grilling guide for around Memorial Day, so maybe you guys oh, can boy. bring okay. it back then. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Bye, Billy. Bye. We've been talking so much about wireless earbuds. I want to know, what are you using? What are you listening to? And what's your criteria for what makes a good wireless earbud? Leave us a note at podcast at Engadget.com. Let's move on to what we're, we're currently working on. I just put up a review of MSI's GS66 Stealth, which is mm. their latest thin gaming laptop. Um, I really like the last model. This one isn't as like... There's just too many other good gaming notebooks out there, so they can't really stand out as much. But it has great hardware. It feels good. MSI, I think, builds really nice, high-quality machines, even though they're not a company most people think of. And I'm also testing Asus's ZenBook Duo, the 14-inch dual-screen laptop that they announced back at CES. I'm very excited to play with mm. this one. Uh, I don't know. There's so many laptops coming, I oh, guess, yeah. because Intel and NVIDIA announced all their news. And actually, as we're recording this, Intel mm. just announced their latest uh, you know, 10th gen desktop processors. There's a lot of PC stuff happening. And we also know people are really into buying PCs right now because everyone's working from home and yep. doing school from home. So it's really interesting to see how this market is reacting to the changing, you know, landscape of work and school and mm. everything. Uh, but what's up with you, Sherlyn? You're 100% right. It's the PC life for me. Uh, yeah. I'm still reviewing this laptop that, uh, you know, I can't talk about, but you will see it <laughs> next week for sure, barring unforeseen circumstances. Then I'm moving on to another laptop, uh, <laughs> this time from HP. Um, I don't know how much I can say. Oh, well, it's, it's the H, it's the HPLE Dragonfly with tile that they announced at CES. Um, and I'll be testing that out in general. This week, I have a bit of a super pick for all of you. Whoa. It's Upload, a new show that's premiering, uh, basically when you're hearing this podcast on Amazon Prime. There are so many shows dropping these days on streaming services. I think this one is really interesting because it's created by Greg Daniels, who is a legend in sitcoms. This guy created, you know, The American Office, King of the Hill, Parks and Rec. He used to work on wow. The Simpsons during like the best era of The Simpsons. And now he's moving into like this weird sci-fi story. Uh, let me give you, you know, the premise as he described it uh, during a roundtable I had with him. He calls Upload a philosophical, romantic comedy, science fiction, murder <laughs> mystery. That might sound like word salad, but I think what's really impressive about the show is that it doesn't really get bogged down in any of those things. Um, mm -hmm. For me, it's a great concoction. It's a stew of so many different genres. It's about a world, kind of a near future, where we have discovered the ability to take consciousness and upload it to the mm -hmm. cloud. So essentially, instead of dying and... Who knows whatever happens after that, you will live on forever in this digital simulation of a world. I will give you the broad sketches of the plot here. Andy Allo plays an angel, basically a customer support agent uh, for people in the afterlife. And mm. the main star of the show is Robbie Amell, who's kind of a startup bro who dies like at <laughs> the beginning of the show, just like in a in a very suspicious self-driving car accident. And mm -hmm. he finds himself uploaded um and they kind of uh yeah form a friendship uh they they get to know each other really well 
I think there's a lot going on here. Um, it's uh, it's kind of wild. It's very Black Mirror in certain respects. The process of uploading reminds me of Futurama <laughs> and like the suicide machines because like it involves exploding your head in very dramatic and gross uh, ways. Uh, yeah, so that's this is a show about digital consciousness, but also it's a show about amazing technology that exists alongside very, very few resources in the world. Like the world, the first scene of the show is people crowded in public transportation, wearing face masks, uh, people, you know, struggling to get by. There are a lot of people unemployed. But before we get too deep into that, Sherlyn, what did you think of the show? Because I know you binged it immediately oh after I recommended it. Well, yeah, I thank you for for recommending it. A lot of the time I don't like things you recommend. So, you know, but this is not true. The actual (laughs) history of this podcast is you thanking me for all of my recommendations. But okay, I like this a lot more than your other recommendation to me, Devs. Um, I like that this is a comedy. Uh, It keeps things very light. Devs is a little too intense for me personally. Um, And I love the world they've created. It's nuts. There's things like, okay, so the main company, I'm trying to not do spoilers. So the main company you'll, you'll, um, the story revolves around is called Horizon, but like with an E and Zen, you know? Uh, So it sounds like our parent company, Verizon, obviously. It's a play on that. And uh, then there's other like massive conglomerates that like apparently Google and Samsung have merged, and then like They've Intel. Done, and, yeah, I don't I don't know if they got uh, you know um, permission to, permission for this, but yeah, yeah, there is Oscar Mayer Intel yeah. in the show. Like it's a, it's very idiocracy levels. There's, of it's extreme corporate insanity. Yeah, yeah. Facebook Facebook's turned into Las Vegas. <laughs> um, Panera's turned into some sort of like. Panera Eon is some one of the afterlife provider thingies, I guess. It's just it's just insane. It's great. And then also, mm-hmm. um I, I love the world it's built. I love the characters. It's I like I did not like the main character played by Andy Allo at first and the first like three tiss, scenes. Tiss. Yeah. But after like after sticking with the show, I didn't even really have to stick to it that much. Mm-hmm. It would just drew me in. The the story is good, it's intriguing, but also the self-driving car tech. Like all the tech is just it all makes so much it's sense. It's a lot of it's a lot of cool tech. It's a lot of big ideas. It's funny. It's surprisingly like sexy at times too. It's like they will get sexy. into like a very explicit sex scene when yeah. you don't expect it in a show yeah. from Greg Daniels. I sat down in a round table, kind of a Zoom round table actually, <laughs> to chat with Greg Daniels and the cast about the show. I really wanted to know how Greg Daniels conceived of the show and how he built this world, especially the whole idea of, you know, extreme technology alongside Mm. people who really don't have much. There's a lot of poverty in the show. There's a lot of like environmental crisis. So here's Greg Daniels explaining the world of Upload. I think that um, my attitude towards technology, I, I always told the, uh, the crew, this isn't a dystopia and it's not a utopia, it's some kind of middletopia. And I think as a person who comes from a comedy background, when you think about um, all the technological magic that we are capable of now, there's always unintended consequences and glitches and screw ups. And I think one of the unfortunate themes about life in America over the past several decades has been the growing income inequality. And I, and I think that technology is kind of great in many ways, but it's also being used by big companies now to you know, become more efficient in ways that don't benefit everybody. I think part of the show is trying to make you feel the unfairness of how the peoples have different 
accesses to the wonders of the technology kind of. With Nora, you really get to see her perspective of someone who's existing in both these worlds and she's struggling to get by and all she wants is her dad to upload so that way they can be together forever. Um, but she gets this front row seat to seeing how um, some people have it better. I think the show kind of dives into this world and shows, okay, with within as much advanced uh, advancement as we have with technology, the, at, at the core, it's still a business. So props a lot to Greg Daniels because the world isn't just like, kind of um you know when you watch science fiction it's you're looking for an escape right and, yeah and the yeah. way they've built this world it's it is a bit of an escape but it's also like incredibly realistic it uses mm -hmm. tech we already sort of know it uses 3d printers it uses drones it uses like um fitness tracker looking phones as well by the way which is like and then apps that we are already familiar ish with there it's not hard to envision this becoming our future um <laughs> it's it's yeah we're it's very close really good uh the other thing i will say that i really liked and and uh devendra did not know this about me until now is that i literally i have the hots for robbie amal he i know he seems a little bland and 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 <laughs> <laughs> but i recently so i mean I've he always... looks like a mannequin with like the yeah <laughs> there's a lot going on so i was like yeah. okay yeah this is surely very typical this, this me <laughs> but um robbie amell i know from his brother Stephen amell and Stephen amell played uh oliver and arrow uh the cw's arrow and that's the okay. main reason yeah, yeah. i know robbie <laughs> and... we're going down a rabbit hole <laughs> here down a real weird rabbit hole of what i watch Amazing. Um, but how, how does this uh compare Sherlin to robbie yeah. amell's uh oeuvre Basically. Oh God! So I've only watched one other movie of Robbie's, and Robbie, my bro, you know, uh, mm. he he he's very likable in this show. He he plays a character that is a little torn, uh, actually very torn and a little lost. And uh, I like it. I you know, again, so many endearing characters. I think that <laughs> Greg Daniels did like nail this. You know that the heart mm -hmm. and soul of a show is very good uh, characters. And then and there, also... there's no one evil character, which I kind of like. Like even yeah. the people you dislike at the beginning, like uh, Robbie Amell's character has, you know, a girlfriend who he's not quite into and he's trying to break up with. Yeah. And even she is somebody who we earn sympathy for, I think, throughout yeah. the show. So they make th it a, a point, lot going yeah. on there. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it's very, well, I wouldn't say it's rare that I agree with Dev on show <laughs> recommendations, but it is, it is. You keep saying that. I know. I'm, I'm saying, Not I true. wouldn't say it's rare. We do agree a lot, but <laughs> yeah. I think that's just because like lately there's, there've been so many, I see this show as a mix of the good place meets, mm -hmm. and that's also how Devendra pitched it to me, right? Kind of like the good place, but techier. And is the good place meets um, San Junipero, that episode of Black Mirror that a lot of people love. Yeah, um, which is perfect. It's perhaps it's the best episode of Black Mirror. Yeah. Arguable. Not my favorite, but one of the best, obviously. And mm -hmm. um, I... I also see a bit of ultra carbon in there without the grit, the mess, and, <laughs> but also the yeah. potential to do so much with this. There's a lot of themes that are happening here. There's a lot mm -hmm. of questions being asked and explored. I, God, it makes me think yeah. the way Good Place used to make me think. So just, just you know, watch. There's it. a lot to think about. Like they, they yeah. are taking people and 
you know, giving them a digital afterlife. And then these digital afterlife people, they still can see and talk to all their living relatives. And they sit there and watch their relatives get older and, you know, move on with their lives. It's such a weird concept. Uh, One question I definitely wanted to ask Greg Daniels was about digital consciousness and his idea Mm. of building this. Uh, Because you talk to philosophers and they will argue forever about the nature of consciousness. Like, Mm -hmm. can you just, if you took everything in your brain and all that matter and somehow digitized that, would that still be you? Mm-hmm. We don't quite know, but uh, here's Greg Daniels' answer to it and how he thought about it. Well, that debate comes up in episode seven because, uh, you know, Nora's dad is very skeptical. He thinks it's yeah, an abomination uh, that there would be a digital version of yourself. I mean, <clears throat> uh, you know, my personal feeling and, and the, what the show is based on is the idea that if you were to, uh, you know, deconstruct your brain, it's it's a, a finite amount of information. You know, it's a very large amount of information because of the trillions of connections and everything, but it's a finite amount and it, it's all based on atoms and chemicals and whatever. And if you had a large enough computer and a quick enough uh, way to scan it, you ought to be able to, you know, measure everything, all the information that's in someone's brain. They're working on doing a map of, of neurons of different animals, and they've got like a, a, a map of a, a very simple worm that has like 600 connections in their brain. I mean, we have trillions of connections, so we're really a long way away from this. What my hope is, is that uh, Amazon is so happy with the show that they actually try and do the technology and uh, that I get a free upload at the end for me. That's what I'm looking for out of this whole experience. <laughs> so what's really interesting about Upload is that you can really tell Greg Daniels has been thinking about this for a while, hmm. for a long, long while. This actually, I think the concept for him started out as a sketch he was going to write for SNL with Dana mm. Carvey. Uh like the idea of a four-minute sketch of people uploading themselves, uh, he he let that idea gestate. And he was talking about in, in our roundtable, you know, during the 2008 writer strike, he spent a little more time kind of building up this world. He was planning to make like a series of novels, I think like mm. maybe going into the YA novel trend. And then that didn't happen. Mm. And then as like, you know, as his shows ended, as Parks and Rec ended and he had a little more time, he spent a lot of time thinking about like where to take this idea. So I think what's really interesting here is that this world is so fully formed. Yeah. And you could really feel that he's thought about this for a long, long while. So you, it's rare to see something like, like this on TV. So I'm hoping we get more seasons. It kind of oh my God, ends yes. on a cliffhanger. Um, but it's all very exciting. So I hope you all check it out. That's it, folks. Thank you for joining us. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own managing editor, Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find me online at, at Devendra on Twitter, and I podcast about movies and TV at the Slash Filmcast at SlashFilm.com. Where can we find you, Sherlyn? You can find me tweeting about nothing at all on Twitter at Sherlyn Lowe. And also heading up the Robbie Amell fan club, Oh, right? God, yes, yes. Apparently. Leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe on anything that gets podcasts, including Spotify. Thanks for joining us, folks. I can smell the meat from here. (laughs) That's kind (laughs) of weird.